Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 116 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and today we have Muhammad. He is the founder and CEO of Benji. He talks about positioning and product messaging. Now, that's probably one of the most important part of marketing since they are inputs into your sales and marketing campaigns. In this episode, Muhammad shares how they nailed their product positioning and brand messaging. In episode 116, you'll learn first how early stage founders should approach marketing very early on. Second, which skills marketers should learn right now. And third, how to validate growth channels quickly and cheaply. If you're a Canadian freelancer, sign up for Benji and get 20% off as a Growth Marketing Today listener by visiting betterwithbenji.com forward slash growth today or find that link in the description. Before we jump in, I have created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Now, why take notes about this podcast episode when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips, apply it to your business, and accelerate the growth faster. Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 116 to get it now. You can also find this link in the description of the show and get it now because when I publish the next episode, this week's cheat sheet will be gone and I'll take it away. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to 42 Agency. 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 and we'll find that link in the description. Well, enough about me. Let's jump into my chat with Mohammed. Hey, everybody. I am excited to chat with Mohammed. He is the co-founder and CEO of Benji. I actually met him in November. It feels like we were just chatting. It felt like a lifetime ago, right, Mohammed? How are things with you? Uh, I mean, clearly, uh, things have uh, escalated uh, since we uh, first met. Because uh, when we first met, we were in a bar, uh, which that, that, that is not going to happen anytime soon. So uh, right. we'll see how that goes. But I've been well. I've been working away and yeah. just learning and adjusting to the new normal if that is a thing. Uh, but uh, super excited for this opportunity to chat with you on a podcast basis, uh, which is also uh, fun and exciting for me. So curious to learn and uh, go from here. Yeah. I First off, congrats on winning that. You know, We met at SAS North and there was a pitch competition and you won some price money and also some video, right? So congrats. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We, we now, uh, the cash in the bank was great. And then on top of that, we recently uh, released a video that we worked with Simple Story, who's a uh, video production company in Ottawa. And they've been great at putting the whole thing together. So I'm super excited that that's all out and uh, off to the races for us there. Awesome. Uh, before we get started and talk about Benji and you know what is the marketing and how much founders should focus on marketing versus product, Let's start. Let's start off with your story. I love hearing people's story, and particularly your journey and how you became the co-founder and C- CEO of Benji. Yeah. So uh, specifically with Benji, for me, I had multiple different side hustles over the past years. Like I would come up with a new idea to try something, or I would be interested in learning a new tool or a new service, and I would just go ahead and do it. So, you know, uh, I had an online store where I would sell 
uh, Turkish towels and cotton blankets. That was a nice, profitable business that worked out really well. And for me, I just wanted to learn how e-commerce worked. Uh, before that, I was also doing events and photography. Uh, but over the course of all these different side hustles, um, the one thing that I always hated, and I actually still do, <laughs> is doing my taxes. Uh, and reason for that is just that I am so interested in uh, personal finances and like I can talk about that all day. Uh, but as a result, I, ha I bank with all of the top five banks in Canada. So RBC, TD, CIBC, all of them, I have some kind of relationship with them. And as a result, my expenses were spreading across the different accounts. And I found it so annoying to go through 12 different statements from every different bank account and be go through each one of them. It's like, okay, was this personal? Was this business? And uh, I think it was about like three years ago or so, I was like, oh man, it'd be cool if there was like an AI solution that could just read through my statements mm -hmm. and then categorize them. And then I just have to like review it and be like, yeah, that's good. And it's like, okay, now send it off to my accountant or do it myself kind of thing. Um, but I'm not a developer. So I was like, I don't know how to make that happen, let alone add the AI aspect of it. Um, and last year, um, I think I was on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came across this article from BetaKit, which is a technology publication here in right. Canada. Um, and they were talking about how Plaid is now uh, available and fully supported across Canada. And I was like, oh, wow, that is the technology that I've been waiting on that we can then use to connect to the bank data and then be able to like build something on top of it. Uh, and then as I got excited about it, I decided to do nothing because uh, mm. <laughs> I got scared. I didn't want to be a entrepreneur. Right. Um, right. And I was just like, oh, no, somebody already has solved this. There's plenty of accounting solutions. Uh, but then I, as I started thinking more about it, it's like, well, I don't use accounting solutions. And like, what's the mm. reason for that? It's like, you know, there's plenty of free solutions and paid available. Like, what is my reason to not use them? And I realized that all of them speak to me like I'm an accountant, not a human. Mm. And I was just like, like, does my, uh, you know, subscription to Audible, is that a office expense, professional development, which is not even on the tax list? Uh, or is it some kind of advertising? Where does it go? I don't understand those terms. And I just wish somebody could simplify, you know, those things that abstract into very simple, tangible things that I know and speak to. Um, and that kind of became like the idea and the differentiator for Benji. But then it kind of evolved from there. Uh, so long story short, been doing freelancing on the side, mm. got really frustrated every year with tax season, saw an opportunity where I was like, okay, I can bring this to fruition. Uh, came to a point where I didn't want to be a entrepreneur, so I decided to not pursue the idea. Only a month later when my partner, uh, you know, she was like, hey, you should just try it out for a month. And if it, if it gets traction, then you can work on it. If not, then you know, and you tried. And I was like, yeah. oh, you're so smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I decided to give it a shot and put together a type form survey. And within two days, I think we had like 75, 80, something along those lines leads just by posting on a few different Facebook groups. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. People are interested sticking with them. And then I just started kind of building up on that by doing some, uh, uh, doing user interviews, going through their spreadsheets, going through their FreshBooks, Wave, all that kind of stuff, and then started building it. And then over time, I think a couple months later, found two developers, used my tax refund and some savings to then build the initial prototype and then just sort of been growing since then. Mm. That's a 
cool story to, to hear that it started off as a side project and now it's like full-blown you know winning <laughs> pitch competitions you, you gotta start alluding to it a little bit but you know if you had to put you know you have to like a high-level elevator pitch for benji what would that be yeah benji we find tax write-offs for canadian freelancers uh we do this by having you connect to your bank account uh, having create a very uh, simple tax profile based on asking uh, about less than 10 questions. And from that insights, we go through all of your transactions and then map them to what we call simple categories. Uh, so you don't have to understand, hey, is Audible, uh, could that be a uh, office expense or advertising? You can just select personal, uh, sorry, professional development. And from there, it'll just figure it out in the back end and map it to the CRA categories. Mm, that totally makes sense. I love how simple you like describe Benji. And you know, I looked at the website, the homepage reads, stop leaving money on the table. Benji finds tax write-off for Canadian freelancers. And I really love how you are specific. Like, you, our users find 9,287 and 53 cents in tax savings <laughs> to the cent, yeah, to the penny, right? <laughs> in tax savings per year. How did you how did you end up with that that messaging and, and that positioning? I think that's where a lot of people you get so caught up with your product that it's you, you when you describe it to somebody like I don't I don't know what you just said, but here you're it's super simple what it does and how you can help freelancers. So my question is how did how did you nail this product positioning? How how did you get here? Yeah. Um, so I've been talking to multiple different founders over time and a lot of people that are freelancers. And one thing I've always found is that anytime I ask them what to do, it's like a long journey and a mm. long story. <laughs> and I just like nod my head and get impatient. Yeah. And which is funny because sometimes I can talk forever. So uh, you would think I would improve on that myself. Um, but I, I, I always wanted to just be like, give me the single sentence. Just give me the hook. Let me just right. understand it. And then if I have questions, give me the opportunity to learn from you more. Yeah. Right. Uh, so last year specifically, um, I, I was, I talked to a bunch of different freelancers even before, uh, I started Benji. It was just more so I talked to friends who are freelancers and, you know, a lot of times when you talk to freelancers, things come down to business and finances and whatnot. And I can sit down with anyone for 30 minutes and be able to like map out their financial sort of plan and be like, here's the bank account you need to be with. This is the exact checking account you need. This is the credit card you need. Here's how you can go about investing, paying that in debt, all that kind of stuff. And the problem that I consistently kept seeing with, uh, people is that a uh, they were always like leaving money on the table like mm. the opportunity to be like oh if you just did this if you made an RSP contribution right. you could get more money back uh, or get a bigger refund back which then you can invest further and then you just get into this amazing financial loop uh, that can improve your overall financial health so as I started talking about that like I was just like oh that's amazing like stop leaving money on the table that uh, just makes so much sense to me. And it's like, oh, what is it? But that's just a part of it, right? That's just like, what does it mean by that? The, mm. I, I think the core of it is like, Benji finds tax write-offs for independent contractors, right? Or Canadian freelancers. Like that is so succinct. And for me, it was just like, okay, how can I explain what is it that we do and who we're for? So when I say to someone, it just sticks and somebody else doesn't have to then try and assume what we do or then have to like butcher it as they're trying to explain to their friend they can just be like oh yeah benji it'll find tax write-up for you because you're a freelancer right mm. it's like 
that specific. So, it, you know, when I say it, it sounds so simple, but we did not just get to that simplicity right. right away. It was a process. Like for us, it's like, okay, are we a bookkeeping tool? Are we a tax solution? Are we an accounting? Yeah. How do we differentiate yourselves? And then on top of that, you know, we also have to look at, it's like, okay, what is our competitive alternatives? And from there, it's like, okay, mm. spreadsheets, doing it manually. People actually take photos of their receipts. Like there's yeah. so many different ways. So what is the thing what is the outcome that people are interested in? And the outcome was that, hey, I want to get tax write-offs because then I'll be able to like get more, uh, you know, a better refund or a lot, or I will have to pay less taxes. So it's like, mm. okay, that's that's great. Like people want to find tax write-offs. Now, who are these people? That was Canadian right. freelancers because that's what we're focusing on. Mm. So that is kind of like how it over the time evolved. And we played around with the messaging quite a bit before we even landed on that. Mm, that you know, you talked about competitive alternatives. That reminds me. I'm not sure if you read April Dunford's book. Yep. Because that's she, she's yeah. Okay, that's what, that, that's what yeah. I've never heard of it until she mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have her signed copy uh, from oh, okay. Startup Fest last year. Excellent. That's so funny. Uh, it's funny also that you're very particular not to call it an accounting because when you say accounting software, you automatically get compared to QuickBooks, right? Or if you say expense. You're an expense and people will compare it to Expensify. Other than spreadsheets, is spreadsheets the biggest competitive alternative to this? Or if not spreadsheets, what are other tools that you know you looked at as like, you know, that's definitely not we what we want to be. Maybe that's a little bit more that we want to be like. Yeah. So we tell people spreadsheets is our biggest competitor. Mm. Because um, it really is. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, doing nothing is actually our biggest competitor. Uh, interesting. Uh, and that's kind of why we, you know, use the term automatically. Because, automatically, right? Yeah. Because because what we recognize is that we have come to a point in our lives where finances are seen as something that is like overwhelming and mm. and the only time it's exciting is if like you're hedging and stocks yeah. and you're day trading where for me i like boring finance i like finance mm -hmm. where it's like okay i know this company in and out and i'm only going to buy its stock and i yeah. understand it because it's going to be worth more in 10 years than it is today with my taxes i'm just going to automate as much as i can to make sure i get a nice contribution to my RSP, clear my debt, like boring stuff is good for me. And that is how most people would prefer, but it still seems scary because we're so used to, you know, believing that we need a financial expert to go through everything for us and be able to, you know, map everything else out. So when it comes down to like understanding that big, scary uh, idea of like, okay, what do I do as a freelancer? A lot of times you're like, well, how about I just make money and I just do that and right. all this other stuff, like I don't mm. think about until it's like taxes are due June yeah. 15th and I have to like go to my accountant or whatever it is and then figure that out, right? So to compete with doing nothing, how can we make our product so simple, so right. approachable, so human, uh, but also work in a way that it's almost autopilot that people are like, oh, this, this is a no brainer. Like, right. I was doing nothing before. I'm doing just a little bit more now. Mm. And I'm, I'm actually in a way better place than I was before, right? Mm. So that's kind of how we've been thinking about it. But spreadsheets for us is definitely on there for people that are like, okay, I'm going to do a little bit more, but I hate this part of the thing that I did. Yeah. 
I also love how you, you know now that you say it, you you really bake that into the the website, right? You talked about in in the website there's a part where you talked about find, we find tax write offs in minutes, and we you talk about you know just answer a few simple questions, and you know this automatically <laughs> happens for you. What what other ways have you kind of embedded this this now now you you know what you want to be you, you this is who what Benji is how did you kind of embed that into you know how do you apply that now into to your website and to your product I know you also have a product background as well right so you know what are your thought process now on, on how to actually apply that that positioning into your product yes so <laughs> so. If you go through our product, and I encourage you and everyone listening to sign up, there's 90-day free trial, and we'll get into that later. Um, but the way that we've approached everything is that how can I make it so simple and so easy that somebody who's in grade eight can understand it and be able to follow along? Mm. Like what is, but on top of that, it's like, what is the minimum that a person has to do to then be able to get their tax write-offs, right? Right. Because again, going back to talking about minutes, going back to making it easy, competing with doing nothing, like if if that is who we're going heads again, like what can we then do to make it simple, right? So a big thing is like when you go to sign up, the questions we ask, we don't just ask you a question and get you to respond. We give, ask you a question, give you an example. And then like mm. ask you to respond. And if, right. if, a, if a question is complicated, such as, you know, like what percentage of your home do you use for work? A lot of times people are like, well, I don't know, like 50%. And I was like, whoa, 50%. Do you want the CRA or IRS US coming down to you? <laughs> right. So for that, we have uh, on top of the example, we even have like a hint to be like, okay, this is how you calculate mm. it. Right. So it's like, how can we get to that sort of focus in the product, in the marketing, in our uh, emails and whatnot that we do to be like that specific and that simple. Like, again, we have to remember that if I can explain what we're doing to someone's grandparent, I think we're doing great. Like that is sort of like the way that you want to think about it. It's like, think of like the spectrums mm. and the ends of the spectrums and then just like figure out what the language and that common words that are used yeah. that are simple to understand. But then on top of that, we have applied that whole approach to our building a product, right? So again, we don't use uh, office expenses, capital cost allowances, yeah. management administration, like none of that. Like when you are going through like transactions, you don't see it ever. You, use, mm. you see very simple things like um, marketing and marketing and promotion. Um, you see professional development. You see home yeah. rent. Like it's like, yeah, that is my home rent. That is professional development. That is, uh, uh, you know, marketing promotion. And using those simple terms, we then just do the all the hard work behind the scenes by mapping it to the CRA tax write-offs mm. breakdown. But on the front end, it's just very clean, very simple. Do less, but have that ROI impacted over time, right? That's mm. that's kind of like how we built it, but uh, not sure if I. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah you, you, part of being simple is your language, right? You know, capital expense and like all this. It's confusing, <laughs> and you just really made uh, the messaging and and the words and the the language you use very simple. One other thing I found very simple with Benji was the pricing model that you that you implemented. You know, it's not 
overly complicated where like you know if this much for this much transactions and this much for for that much transaction like you have like you don't have five plans right like can you talk a little bit about how you kind of like nail down your pricing at, at the moment yeah so um again everything that you see uh is a result of multiple experiments that have happened over mm -hmm. time. Uh, so even with our pricing, what happened is we started like not experimenting, but more so learning about what our pricing model should be, even before the code for the app was written. So mm -hmm. remember when I talked about earlier how uh, after doing the survey, I would get on a call and I would talk to people and understand how they're currently doing things. Right. In that call, I would be like, Oh, like how much are you paying for this? Or what do you think you know you would pay someone to do this? And uh, something along the lines of like, what if it some you know you had a solution that did this and it just took a percentage of it, right? So I try to like experiment with different things, and what I've realized is that if we are competing with doing nothing and our approach is to be simple, then that should also apply to our business model and our pricing plan. Right. A lot of times people will be, uh, not people, more specifically investors and VCs when I've talked to them. Uh, for them, it's like, oh, you should charge percentage of a person's write-off that you found, uh, like found through the app. And in reality, that sounds great, right? Because imagine if like somebody has $10,000 in tax write-offs and we get even 2% of that. That's a great number for us. However, yeah. at the same time, imagine you go and buy a laptop Benji, you know, that laptop, the MacBook Pro costs $4,000 or something. And then Benji's like, hey, I found the tax write-off for you. And I'm going to take 2% of that. And just like, it just feels like an extra tax. It just feels like you're being penalized uh, for having to use a solution that's supposed to help you, right? And when I talk to users, uh, potential users at that time, even for them, they were like, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't want an uncertainty about what's going to happen. And I was like, holy shit, that's right. Like, oh, sorry, I don't know. Swearing is okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, like uncertainty is going to create friction. It's going to create anxiety. And a whole purpose for Benji is to build a better relationship with money. Yeah. So like, how can we reduce that? And that's where the pricing model came around. Initially, I wanted to launch the pricing to be around like 9 or $12. Uh, and as I started experimenting with that, people are like, no, make it $19. Like, like $12 seems too cheap uh, to be a good solution. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, like who would have thought? But of course, we're going to keep testing and we're going to yeah. get it up to 19. And even now we have paid users that are it's like, they've tweeted about us, about us and they're like, it's cheap, like go get it. Um, and that's because we have an introductory pricing. We just turned the flag on to make it go live out of our beta. So our paid beta mm. was running for a couple months before. Um, so it's right now it's 12 bucks going to be 12 bucks until end of june we might have like a late bird pricing option just to gradually increase it back up uh, and ensure that anyone that signs up they stick to the plan like that pricing once they sign up it's theirs like we don't want to mm. make it confusing so that's kind of like how we thought about pricing and how to approach it and what not just like what the person is going to see and get but also how they're going to feel and they're mm. going to be thinking about it, right? Like just reduce the anxiety, reduce the confusion, make it simple to be like, yeah, this is a no brainer, especially if I'm going to find like eight to $10,000 in tax write-offs. When we come back in just a moment, Muhammad shares why early stage startup founders should focus 50% of their effort on marketing and the other 50% on product. 
Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogic, Flexiday, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton, and he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can He's actually offering a free $500 consulting time for Growth Today listeners. You can visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. It'll, it'll redirect to their, this special offer. One more thing, don't forget to download the free growth cheat sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Well, not about this, let's jump back to my chat with Mohammed. That, that totally makes sense. I really love how you're, you know, you, you did customer research right at the beginning. You did customer development. You're talking to people. One of the other things that I want to touch upon is that for a lot of founders, the way that they start a product is they focus on building first. They just build, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, they get caught up with the technology, AI, um, blockchain. Let's just put that into there. Let's figure out what future is. But yeah. You're actually suggesting when we were chatting back and forth about what, what, what you, you want to talk about, you actually recommend a 50-50 model where they focus 50% on product and 50% on traction and marketing. Why, why, why should you focus on that right at the get-go as a founder? Yeah, so I think if you look at most uh, tech founders, uh, you know, about like 50% of them fail in the first year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you start looking at the reasons why they're failing, it's a lot of times it is because like they had no usage, they had no customers, they had no users, they weren't able to articulate what it is that they're doing uh, to get that product market fit. Right. Right. So we talk so much about product market fit, but we only talk about product a lot of times, but in order for you to get the market fit part of it, you have to get it out in the market. And yeah. in order for you to get it out in the market, you have to figure out what the marketing channels are to then be able to like, okay, here's how we're going to grow this. Here's how we're going to acquire users, but not even just be in theory, be like, no, we've actually tested and experimented with these channels and we've seen early signs of traction there. And mm. I, I take no credit for this approach. You know, this is from, um, uh, uh Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel Weinberg, who's the founder of DuckDuckGo, uh, Duck he wrote the book called Traction, uh, which is really good at putting together a framework about how uh, not just founders, but marketers uh, and anyone else building any kind of product should be mm -hmm. thinking about uh, in, in terms of acquiring users and figuring out what those uh, marketing channels for them look like. So I, I think with people that are interested in building products, uh, but they haven't had that experience with marketing or communication and whatnot. I think the, the best thing that they can do for themselves is to experiment, you know, just like mm. talk to your friend or right. talk to another co-founder or try to explain yeah. your product to them. Like, is it resonating? Are they asking questions? Start making notes of that, you know, put up a landing page, like Squarespace costs 
like what nine bucks, twelve bucks, something like that. Uh, set up a site there for spend fifty bucks on ads and see what kind of traction you get. Are you getting leads coming in? Uh, put it in a few different Facebook groups. Start experimenting to see what which messaging is working, start figuring out which channels make sense for you, but also start understanding who are your actual customers, right? Yeah. A lot of the times I find that people tend to say, you know, uh, we're going to have a uh, cyber security uh, technology uh, for tech companies across like, you know, the world. And to me, I was just like, that makes, that that's too big, <laughs> too freaking big. Like, you know what? Just 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 nail that down so yeah. small to the point where you're like, you know, we are a cyber security product for B2B SaaS company specializing in help tech in the United States. Like mm. to be that specific, right. it's immediately gonna start being like, okay, here are all the health tech companies. Uh, in the United States, and here is who you know are in the B two B space and SaaS, and they have a SaaS model. And immediately, you get this customer persona, uh, you know, and your uh, competitor profile to then start figuring, okay, who are who are our customers? Who are is our competition? Who are, who is our competitive alternative? And you can start figuring all that out, which is going to help improve your messaging, and but also then identify and surface those potential marketing channels for you. That totally makes sense. Um, you know that pe people shouldn't like wait until the very last minute when you actually launch to figure out how you're going to reach your customers. You know, since you launch, what has been working really well in terms of channels of, of acquiring new users and new new customers for uh, for Benji? Yeah. So so far, we've seen uh, uh, organic search. Uh, uh, emails and uh, word of mouth be the three main drivers mm. for us, uh, which is great uh, because those are all very much low cost uh, yeah. options. I mean, you know, writing articles and whatnot takes time, but if you can find a freelancer uh, to then write those for you, that does cost money and whatnot. Same thing with emails, but those are much lower cost than let's say spending ads, money on ads or doing like, trade shows or anything of that kind of sort. Uh, and the great thing for that is that before we started doing any pay, uh, pages, uh, before we started creating any uh, pages on our site, uh, well, what I did was did a keyword research and I put together about like a thousand keywords. And of that, I started marking, you know, which ones are valuable, which ones are transactional, which ones are not relevant, all of, which ones are too broad, all of that. And then I started looking for long tail keywords to then determine it's like, okay, here are keywords that are very transactional, meaning that, you know, somebody's looking specifically for Benji here. And using those to then create articles on our site uh, to talk about like all the different things that a designer, a uh, content creator, a uh, copywriter can write off. And we've seen that just search term alone driving quite a bit of a trend, uh, sorry, traffic to our site. But on mm. top of that, we're also starting to see conversions come through uh, those pages now as well too. So that's been great, which means we're just going to have to start creating more, more and more on that aspect of it. That's cool. Um, I want to sh shift gears a little bit and talk about just marketing very broadly. You currently sit on the advisory board at Humber's College, uh, Humber College here in, in, I think it's in Tobico. <laughs> yeah, that's two campuses. <laughs> Somewhere in Toronto, right? It's, it's yeah. around, it's near Toronto uh, in the marketing program. So I, if I had to ask you what marketing skills marketers should be learning right now, what, what are you finding people should be learning? 
Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I tell people is to understand how like business works, like the organization as mm. a whole, and understand what are the objectives that that business is trying to achieve. A lot of times, because uh, I've sit in quite a few of the OCMC competition, uh, I think that's redundant, but OCMC uh, planning or uh, boot camps of Humber has run for their students who help them prepare, uh, which so for those listening, you know, it's a marketing competition that happens across the province here uh, and plenty of students from all the different schools come together and they compete to see who is the best marketer in the province. Um, and the thing that I've noticed there is that a lot of them tend to focus very much on just that tactical, like what the paper that's been put in front of me, I'm going to solve that specific problem. And so the paper will say, you know, the business is not generating revenue uh, and there is like a, uh, a new CEO brought in and uh, a new line is not doing well. And a lot of times people are like, oh, okay, so we're going to focus on these three things that have been brought in here rather than taking a step back to be like, oh, why wasn't your CEO brought in? Mm. What is the reason that is uh, driving these sales not to work? So they seem to kind of, not be as focused on like the larger trend, the macro aspect of it, which goes back to the point about you need to understand what the business objectives are to then understand how your marketing efforts can then contribute to that, right? Mm. And then if you can find ways to make sure that it's all measurable, that's going to ensure that you can then drive a clear path to not just traction, but also growth to the overall business. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. One other thing about marketing is that when we are chatting about what you want to chat about, one of the things you said was that you were actually featured in a marketing textbook. <laughs> how, how did that happen, man? Like, what, what's the story behind that? Yeah, so um, to, to clarify why all things marketing, I actually went to school for marketing. Mm. Uh, and that's why I was at Humber. I went to school there. And then later I went to Griffith University in Australia. Um, and my first job outside of university there was doing a digital marketing consultant in the tourism space there. Um, but ever since I moved back to Canada from Australia, I have never worked in marketing. Mm. Um, but getting to the textbook. So I, when I came back from Australia, I wanted to do wine tours and I downloaded a bunch of apps and I hated all the apps. They were ugly or they just didn't make sense. And me being naively, because I've never built anything product, I didn't even know that user experience was a, uh, a job title or anything of that sort. And so, you know, I was like, oh, like, I, th I think I can build a better one uh, and make something that's really cool. And my friend who was at Brock University doing computer science is like, yeah, okay, I'll build an app with you. So we decided we're going to like build this app. And I started doing this research to be like, okay, what, what is the space like? What are all the considerations? And I started exploring. And then essentially somehow managed to learn all these things in terms of doing competitor research, market mm. analysis, all that. And uh, along the time, one of the professors from Humber College her and I were talking, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I mentioned that. And she's like, oh, I'm authoring a, uh, a textbook. Do you think I can use this as a case study? You mm. know, those vignettes that you yeah. have, like beginning of chapters? Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, that's, that's free promo. Like, why would I not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, thankfully, uh, shout out to Christina Clements, who's a professor. Uh, so she interviewed, she tried to understand, she's like, how did you even think of this? How did you even think about the competitive space? And yeah. 
I was like, here's how I was thinking about it. And that just kind of led to turning into that chapter case study and whatnot and uh, got us in a marketing textbook, which is like published all across Canada uh, and was a great way for us to get further adoption for our app uh, that we had at the time. Man, that's, that's a great story. Like you can like, you should put that into your, your bio on LinkedIn. <laughs> People usually put that, you know, been featured in a marketing textbook. Very yeah, different. A, a scene here. <laughs> a scene here. I want to shift gears and talk about something that you started as well. Uh, you were, it's the... Uh, you you it's a woman and color and which is something you also founded how did that come about and why is that like super important for you uh yeah so women of color uh is now well over four years old um and it started off as a twitter account honestly uh it was around 2015 uh, i was working at a startup here in toronto that is doing well and it's fully bootstrapped. So, um, and I, I worked with a bunch of amazing people who would proudly, you know, uh, agree to being feminists and just being around them and talking to them and learning from them. I recognized how much I didn't know. Uh, and at the same time, I recognized that I was very much privileged as a man. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I also recognized I my lack of privilege as a person of color. Um, so that led me to a path to kind of start viewing the world and anything that I engaged in. And I was very much involved in the tech community here in Toronto, and I still am. And every time I would go to events, you know, I would see just an event, mostly white men on stage, <laughs> barely women. Uh, and if there are any people of color, it'll be like uh, Asian people that'll be sprinkled and uh East Asian, South Asian, take yeah. your pick. Um, and, and so I just got like really upset with that. And, you mm. know, when you get upset, you go on Twitter. Uh, so I just went on Twitter and I was like, at this event of this many speakers, this many are men, uh, mm. women and this many are people of color. And uh, I went to another event web page and I was like, oh my God, this is, like, what is going on? So I like tweeted again and I was like, Oh, like it would be cool if there was an anonymous account called Women and Color, uh, and all it did was tweet stats about these different events. Cool. Uh, and so I started doing that until about a few weeks later, uh, it started getting traction. But people were like, "Hey, who's behind this account? Like, we want transparency." And I was like, "Oh crap!" Like, <laughs> You're oh, in trouble. <laughs> I was like, "No, God." Um, so I was, you know, I was like, "I believe in transparency, and 100% these people are right that you know I should talk about it." Uh, be transparent in my intentions of what I'm trying to do. So, you know, I talked about it and most people are like, awesome. Like, it's good to see a guy actually talking about this and yeah. being an advocate around this and we definitely need this. Uh, sure, you had some people that are like, women and color, uh, aren't you like a guy? And it's like, no, it's women and color <laughs> because, you know, we're trying to be intersectional here. Yeah. Um, but of course, that led to, led me down a path of my own personal growth as well too, right? So like January 9th or 6th or 9th, we, 2016, we launched a Twitter account. A couple months later, we had a WordPress website where you can find people. And that, like, I didn't build that. That was uh, Laura DeGroote, who was one of my coworkers. Like, mm. thank you so much to her to getting started. And then that went down a path and later, uh, December, later in, uh, I guess, fall or winter of 2016, you know, like, 
I started realizing how me wanting to be intersectional wasn't as intersectional because like it was just focusing on women and people of color and not the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this wrong. Like, right. uh, and kind of like went through depression around the same time as well. So none of that was helping. And, you know, I decided to come back and uh, a few months later, because people kept tweeting at the account and mentioning it. And I was like, okay, clearly people want to see the success. So like, I need to just learn to find a better way to go about building this organization. And that's when I started going to Civic Tech TO, which is a weekly meetup here in Toronto, uh, where people volunteer and come together and build products for the greater good. Uh, So people come from policy, from government, from corporate, nonprofits, all of that. And so I went there for a year and I worked with a bunch of volunteers to build a website that you see now. Uh, and the biggest you know, contributor there was Sharon Kennedy. Again, another woman. So as you can see, it's just like, yeah. I, I get the credit, but it's all these amazing women that actually do it, which is so unfortunate because uh, it's like, hey, you're the founder, right? But at the same time, like, I, I couldn't have done it without them. So now we have a website. We have almost about... 800 uh, subject matter experts on our website across wow. Canada and United States in over 20 cities. Uh, so that's been good. It's growing on its own. We later launched a speaker boot camp because we noticed that there were so many amazing people that weren't signing up to be on our site. Yeah. And as I started talking to them, I learned that you know they were experts, but they felt they didn't have the expertise in how to pres- like how to do public speaking. Mm. Uh, so it's like. Plus, then there was also the imposter syndrome, which is another topic to then get into. But so we uh, decided, okay, we should do a speaker boot camp. And around that time, uh, I met uh, Chanel McFarlane. Uh, and, you know, I was like, hey, like, I'm thinking of, I want to do this. Is this something you'd be able to lead and run? And then as we started meeting, we just kind of became really good collaborators. Uh, and like, from like in a month, month and a half, we went from that idea to launching that speaker bootcamp. We had 60 applicants, we accepted 20. And within two weeks of graduating from the two-day speaker bootcamp, six spoke at an event. Wow. Uh, so it was just amazing to see. And then it just kind of has grown overall from there to the point where now we had an Ottawa chapter that was going to uh, launch and had an amazing yeah. lineup. Uh, but COVID happened. So we'll figure out what we're going to do. And more recently, we've been doing meditation workshops uh, cool. to make sure people are giving time and space for their mental health. So it's just been an ever-evolving journey there. So, um, yeah, sorry. I feel like I took too much time to answer that. <laughs> no, no, it's a, great, it's a great mission. I think that's one thing I notice even the podcast space where it's usually two white dudes talking to each other. I mean, like, I, I'll, it's something that I noticed like a month, sorry, a year or two ago where, like, you look at the top podcast shows and you know that's 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 it and a year ago that's when i really started featuring more women i, I think i'm 50 50 for for male to female ratio so uh, i just need one of the things that i realized to do this time is i need to really feature more people of of color so thank you for doing this i really do appreciate it. i think hopefully you know this is something that also comes to to the podcast space because I know the speaker space you know, people are really starting to call other people right <laughs> which you did <laughs> but you know the podcast space is also something that needs to change as well oh, 100% and I encourage uh, you listeners anyone to go to Women in Color website because we've seen so many people actually find people to bring onto their podcast from our website mm. right like we created the website with the intention of 
making events more diverse, only to then realize that women in color started being used by people to find board members, uh, wow. people to hire, people to bring on podcasts, people to bring on a TV show. So mm. the use case of it has grown like beyond it because, again, you can type in, let's say, growth marketing or marketing on women in color and you'll find a big result. You can filter it down. All that kind of options exist. Uh, so it, it's you know it's definitely something that I encourage people to use. And there are plenty of amazing other resources available too. That's good to know. I will add that in the show notes for, for people to find out. I want to start wrapping up. And one of the questions I love asking is, you know, if you have one or two pieces of advice to founders about anything we talked about or anything in general, you know, it could be about it could be about life or mental health. But what would be your one or two pieces of advice to founders? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one that I really challenge people on is what we talked about earlier is to really be focused. Like, don't try to go after millions of uh, potential customers. Uh, it's always good to understand the market, but try and go after very niche market, yeah. right? So like earlier discussion about cybersecurity firm mm. for B2B SaaS and healthcare in the United States, like being that kind of specific is really going to help you understand what you should be building, where you should be looking, how you should be growing, how much you should be charging. It's really going to help you with that. And then I would say like the second advice, which ties in really well to that, it's, it's to essentially validate your ideas and assumptions quickly and cheaply, right? A lot of times people think about it's like, okay, I'm going to have to build an amazing app. Our marketing campaign has to be perfect. Like, no, you just need to get it out. Like with, uh, with Benji, we uh, started with nothing more than just a type form. That's it. Mm. That's all that I had. I had a, a, a image in the type form when you landed, uh, and then the rest is all form. And uh, and then yeah, I had a thank you email that went from Mailchimp. So I try to do it as cheaply and quickly as possible. Like no fancy website or anything of that sort. And I encourage that to other people too. Like don't try and like get your marketing campaign too perfect before you get mm. it out to get feedback. Because unless it's if no one sees it, you're not you're not going to be able to learn and be able to uh, validate if your assumptions were right or not. So try and do this as fast and as cheaply as possible. There are plenty of no code tools now available that you know I tweeted about this recently. Actually, ninety percent of ideas that people have for starting their own company could be validated with nothing more than Webflow, mm. uh, Airtable, and Stripe. Like yeah. that's it, right? Typeform you can do it. Mailchimp you can do it. Perfect. Five tools, and most of them you can do it for cheap. So think about that as you're thinking about whether it's product, whether it's marketing, whether it's anything else. Just like do it quickly, cheaply, and just learn. Focus on that part. It's so good. Those are really good advice. And just to wrap up, you know, where can people find out more about you and you know about Benji online? And I, I think you have like a special link that you want to provide for Growth Today listeners as well. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm on Twitter, super engaged. You can find me at HeyMosef, H-E-Y-M-O-S-E-F. Um, and of course, you can Google me and you can connect with me on LinkedIn if that's of interest. Uh, definitely check us out at betterwithbenji.com if you're a Canadian freelancer. Uh, and to those uh, listening, uh, there's a special offer for 20% off. Uh, you can go to betterwithbenji.com slash growth today. Uh, and for anyone that signs up through there, you'll get 20% off uh, on your subscription plan. So hope to check us out. Awesome. And I know I screwed about this, but why Benji? <laughs> <laughs> Where did Benji come from? <laughs> Very last question. 
Okay, because it's all about the、uh, Benjamin's baby. Ah, Benjamin's! Oh my goodness, I'm thinking about、yeah. Benji like a, a name for a dog or a puppy. But no,、Benjamin's. no, it's, it's the Netflix movie. <laughs> they're, they're crushing us on the SEO for that specific term, Benji.、Uh, but yeah, that's you know, Puff Daddy, Lil Kim, like. It's all about the Benjamins.、Uh, yes, I understand it's Canadian focused. It should be Borden's, but it just doesn't have the same ring to it.、Uh, you should have you should have more hip hop like memes in the、yes. website. I know, I know. right? They like stick out. This really, really, really stick out. <laughs> we, we we try and like do that here and there、uh, without like、uh, putting too much in it because I'm like I appreciate hip hop and enjoy、right. and I grew up on it. I don't know how many other people do. But the same time, when we have posted about, like, we'll talk about, you know, Drake、uh, haven't done his taxes because he's too turned up. So,、yeah. like, we talked about that as well. It's like, be as turned up as you want, but make sure to do your taxes.、Uh, otherwise, Sierra is going to come down at you.、Uh, but yeah, we play around with it every now and then, but not too much that it kind of gets tired. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mom, and I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate the opportunity here, and thank you so much. Well, that's it for this episode. I want to remind you that I've created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Seriously, why take notes about this episode when you can just steal mine? You can go to growtoday.fm/slash 116 to get it now. You can also find this link in the description of the show. Now, before I end, I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, these folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools, so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to 42 Agency, they work with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, and they help them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, go to growtoday.fm/slash 42. That's 42, or find the link in the description. Please also support me. There's three easy ways. First, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find out more about this show. That's how the algorithm at Apple Podcasts works. Is, is the more reviews there are, the more chance that other people will find that show. Second, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn, or tell a friend about this podcast. This is how podcast shows grow: is through word of mouth. And finally, you can join the Growth Today mailing list, where you'll get each cheat sheet directly emailed to you, so you don't have to keep coming back to the site to download it. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host Ramley John. Keep safe, and as always, keep on growing. Passion, passion.